The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Neat Glass Sponsored Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And today we are tripling down on our cross-season spanning trio of patented triple D deep distillery dives with three expressions from a breakout brand based in Tennessee, Blue Note. Yeah. And although we've already featured two of their whiskeys on part one of this past year's whiskeymentary on tasting competitions, fortune smiled upon us, so we crafted a full episode after a treasure trove of whiskeys arrived at our studio doors. <laughs> and as we like to do once a year, just to prove that we can still carry a full numbered capital E episode all by ourselves. We have no guests joining us for the first time in over a year. But don't worry, Ed's here as usual to get us going by telling us which Blue Note expressions we'll be describing and imbibing tonight. That's right. Thanks, Scott. We got a tremendous amount of whiskey delivered to us from Blue Note. The two that we featured before, the Juke Joint and the Uncut, we're sipping on ourselves. Uh, I'm actually enjoying the Juke Joint right now. Yes, I'm enjoying the Uncut. Uh, This is to cleanse our palate of anything we've eaten or done earlier to get our mouth ready for more Blue Note deliciousness. (laughs) And the first two, there's three whiskeys that we're going to feature. We're going to do two and then take a short break and come back with the grand finale. Yeah. The first one is the Blue Note Rye Whiskey, made in a small batch form. It's going to be 93 proof and then there's the crossroads straight bourbon whiskey which is a hundred proof it's finished in toasted french oak and then the last whiskey that we have the privilege of tasting is the very special and very elite and scott will tell you all about this later the Mm. blue note special reserve which comes in at a delicious and hearty 112.5 proof (laughs) yes I say delicious. I haven't tasted it, but my anticipation runneth over. Oh, seriously. Wait till you hear all the stuff that's in this thing. Right. As Blue Note continues to evolve as a distillery and as a brand, it's fun to have kind of got into this early Mm -hmm. and enjoyed some of their first offerings. I think Gabe was the first to expose us. uh, He was. Yeah. So I thank Gabe for that. And we're going to interview the uh, CEO in a little bit Mm -hmm. and ask him questions about the company and the brand. And he's going to enlighten us with his vision and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So... uh, I mentioned the treasure trove of the stuff that they sent yeah, us. Yeah. It was a complete surprise because we had been trying to set up a interview with Logan Welk, the CEO and president for three or four months. It was yeah. all summer practically. Yeah. And we finally did. And they sent us literally 20 minutes after the interview ended with me and Ed. I got this parcel in the mail and I was expecting like a tiny little box because we yeah. were getting just best reserve sample. Right. So we're looking for a little box like just to hold one bottle. Yeah. They sent us another bottle of Blue Note Juke Joint the uncut the rye and then the crossroads as well it was like well now we can't do just a quick taste we have to do a full episode yeah which is fine with us and once again if you want to hear what we thought of the juke joint and the uncut go into our whiskey just this past season the first podcast of this year yeah so if you go back to the first one in january you'll find us talking about those two expressions what we thought of them Spoiler alert, I like the juke joint a lot. Juke joint's in my wheelhouse more. And Scott liked the uncut better, which is easy because we're each going to take these bottles home with us. So it's great. <laughs> That's right. It's an easy peasy win for us. Okay. So <laughs> as usual, I have a quick story about the history of the company. Um, I didn't do it on the tasting. No, we did not. On the tasting we, we, we did not get into it because it was a whiskey venture. We had other fish to fry, but right. we will do a little bit more of a deep dive into the background of Blue Note. Right. And so here it is. Blue Note brand owner BR or Big River Distilling was founded in 2013 in Memphis, Tennessee as a vodka distillery by a man named Alexander Folk. A few years later, after suffering some setbacks, Folk asked his friend Macaulay Williams, a lawyer for a firm doing mergers and acquisitions, to help with a business plan. After about a year, the shareholders of the distillery voted to liquidate the company, but Williams, who in the interim had become intensely interested in distilling, decided to buy the company out of liquidation and rework it to produce whiskey instead of vodka. So, with the help of some mentors and private equity 
equity clients in 2018, he did just that, hiring not only folk who stayed on throughout the buyout, but also Katerina Olson and Logan Welk, both of whom had a financial background. Williams said that because of the regulatory framework they were working in, as well as their desire to grow quickly, having a dedicated financial team was a top priority. Blue Note's early fame came from a few age-stated releases that used source bourbon from Diageo-owned Cascade Hollow, makers of George Dickel Tennessee Whiskey. There was a 17-year-old bourbon that was a very limited release and fairly well-received. But their bread and butter for these first couple of years was a small-batch bourbon that was a blend of two different nine-year-old Dickel mash bills, the standard 84% corn, 8% rye, and 8% malt barley, and a second experimental mash bill of 70% corn, 22% rye, and 8% malt barley. Soon after, they released their core expression, the 93-proof, Blue Note Juke Joint, which Ed is sipping on right now. Yes. It has a mash bill of 70% corn, 21% rye, and 9% malted barley sourced from the Green River Distillery, formerly known as OZ Tyler, following up in 2021 with a Crossroads bourbon finished in French oak, which we'll be tasting today. And a year after that, their juke joint uncut, whose barrels were salvaged from a collapsed rickhouse, a story that related in part one of our tasting competition, Whiskumentary, which is a super cool story. Yeah, check that out. Yeah. In January 2022, Macaulay Williams left Blue Note to start Morningside Brands, which is currently building a portfolio of premium tequilas and gins. And this paved the way for Logan Welk, formerly CFO, who we'll be talking to later, as Ed mentioned, to become a COO and president. Today, the company produces 45 5,000 cases of their four core whiskeys and has plans to produce more higher end expressions with various blends and finishes starting with their cast series special reserve which we'll also be tasting later and the newly released rye which we'll be tasting right now. All right, so once again, these are the rye and the crossroads are both resting in our neat glasses right now with a mm-hmm. lid on. Those who want to join the party, go to theneatglass.com. And if you put in whiskey tan in the code, you'll get 10% off your first order of two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Neat glass, neat glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, it's a delicious way to experience whiskey. And if you're a serious whiskey connoisseur, you're doing yourself a disservice not to have a couple neat glasses in the closet. Indeed. So this Blue Note rye. New core release from them. Yeah. Currently only available in three states. Crazy. Tennessee, Missouri, and Kansas. But will be available in all 17 of their markets. So New Jersey. It'll be available here soon. And online. So there's a very good chance that we are holding the only bottle. In New Jersey. Or possibly the tri-state area. Maybe. So this is rarer than Weller or (laughs) Pappy. It's the rarest bottle of whiskey in the state right now. Yeah. People should be surrounding us clamoring for the blue note rye whiskey because it's the only bottle in the eastern seaboard wow the only one jesus we have it that's right (laughs) so when we talked to logan we had our interview already yeah uh, which we'll hear later of course we're going to drop it in a little bit yeah we didn't quite get the full story because we didn't know we were actually getting this yeah i don't even think he knew that they had sent it because it was the marketing company we talked briefly about the rye and the crossover but we didn't get as deep into this as we did the special reserve no so they also have a brand called riverset rye so I was a little confused as to what this actually was. So I reached out to him again this past week and he said this. Riverset, when it was first launched, was a Tennessee blend of two mash bills, 95% rye and a 51% rye. Over time, this transitioned to just the Tennessee 95% rye. And then right before transition to the Blue Note rye, it picked up the Kentucky 95% rye as the base liquid. The phase out of Riverset, as it is known today, has been in the works for a while. Okay, yeah. So they know it's confusing. So they're getting rid of it. Yeah. So right now, going forward, everyone, the Blue Note rye rye whiskey is what you're looking for it's unfiltered small batch straight rye whiskey and uh, 93 proof so 93 proof 95.5 mash bill from green river distilling in owensboro kentucky the price right. is between 30 and 35 bucks right so this is not the indiana 95.5 correct i'm gonna smell it oh interesting it's definitely a rye right away you know it's a rye from the nose Ooh, I really like the nose. It's not really in your face with like a lot of herbaceous notes or no, dill. Or, no, no. I but get, the, they're there. I get orange zest. That Ooh, orange zest. I'm That's getting, cool. I'm getting orange zest. Some rye spice for sure. So we don't have any taste notes to compare no. this to later because the, there haven't been any professional reviews. The only thing that Logan said is like just it's not really what you're going to expect from a 95.5 rye. Still getting the orange. The orange is coming through sweeter now. It's like a candied orange is what I'm smelling. Yeah, the sweetness to me is really subtle. I got a little clove on the end. Oh, interesting. The, just that little. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was yeah. getting some type of a, a yeah. clover nutmeg. Clove in particular to me at the very end of the scent. I like to say cardamom just to piss people cardamom, off. Cardamom, yeah. Well, I mean, you smelled orange, so cardamom is sort of a citrusy spice. Mm-hmm. Do you I taste d- it? I just tasted it. Okay. 
Oh, I'm wow. Sorry, oranges are all over this for me. Yeah, he's right. This is not a typical 95.5 no. rye. No. It tastes to me a lot fruitier than it smelled. It's way fruitier. Like if you want to go like a pear or a plum or something, but tell me you don't taste sweet oranges on this. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy to me. It's orange and spice. Like they actually smell like orange spice candles for the kitchen. Like it almost tastes like that <laughs> smells. <laughs> oh, and especially when it's gone. Mm-hmm. What's left in your mouth is sort of like orange zest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you very- were saying on the nose. I've never tasted a rye this orangey. Mm-mm. Wow, this is really good. $35, $40 for this? Yeah, 30 35 How old is it? Three to five years. Sorry, so now that I've taken three quick sips, there's a little tiny burn in the back of my throat, an upper chest. Yeah, yeah. It's a little hotter than a 93. Holy cow, but- though. I mean, for the price, you got to be kidding me. Mm. This is going to be $50 soon, trust me. Yeah. What are the three states you get like in Missouri? Tennessee, Missouri, and Kansas. You guys are lucky. If you're next to one of those states, you might want to drive in and get a bottle of Blue Note Rye. This is a really nice treat. Ooh, the more I drink it, <laughs> the more the fruit characteristics come out, but I'm tasting more than just an orange now. Yeah. Okay. Let me just... I'm trying to figure out what it is. Well, you know, I don't like to drink too much at one time, but I'll try it. Hold on. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> if anybody has listened to the podcast before, that's the joke. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm getting a lot more vanilla now the more I drink it. Like a vanilla sweetness in the beginning. But there is definitely a burn. I mean, on the nose now, I'm getting like cotton candy scents. After I've had time for it to rest in my mouth and, and then wash away. You're, you sit on the nose with that. You're, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a little bit on the palate. Like a really intense sugary sweetness. Yeah. But fruit flavored. I just put a few drops of water in. I want to see if that opens anything up. It's 93 proof. It might be enough that it can benefit from four or five drops of water. I'm not sure. Let's see. I mean, going back to baking spices, I do taste a little bit of cinnamon on this, like cinnamon sugar. The water opens up more of those baking spices. I'm tasting cinnamon and and the clove more now. Mm -hmm. And the sweetness is a little bit down, but the rye spice is a little bit more. Mm. A few drops of water actually helps it a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it's quite good. (laughs) So this is something that you put this on a globe. I think you could have a nice little journey. You know, if it goes from 93 down to like 85, I think that would be a fun journey to take with this. It's almost like a little bit of chili pepper. Oh, kind of cayenne thing on the top of my palate. I told you, like in the back of my throat, there's pepper. It's definitely. I thought it was just the proof, in this case, a Tennessee hug, but um, (laughs) I do find it strangely peppery. Mm -hmm. But not like black pepper. No. Like cayenne pepper. Yeah, right. Or chili pepper. Yeah, like a a burn. Yep. Wow, I really like this. You guys know I love rye. This is very different from any rye that I've had, especially a 95.5 rye. We'll be doing this for $30 a shot at Scott's front door. So anybody (laughs) who wants to come, this is the most valuable bottle, the rarest bottle in the eastern seaboard. That's right. Come over for $30 a shot to help budget our whiskey for the next week. Uh, JK, that's illegal. No, this is terrific. Yeah. Like, especially $30. This is cheaper than Bullet Rye. If I believe that this was forever $30, this would go right to my retirement bar. Like, what are you making your Manhattans and all with? Oh, I'm being blue, not I drink it straight. I drink it in Manhattans. I drink it old fashioned. I, I feel like if we didn't have the only bottle in the Eastern Seaboard, I would make a Manhattan. Right. It's so rare now, we have to lock it into a vault. <laughs> a little vault. Like, little vault, yeah. A, lit- a literal vault. I'm oh, saying. a literal vault, not a little vault. No. No. A little vault's what I used to do in gym class when I was in elementary school. <laughs> Couldn't get, much couldn't get much air. No, I couldn't get much air. <laughs> so I'd only do little vaults. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to take a quick two-second break just Ooh. to uh, pour ourselves some crossroads, and we'll be right back talking about that. I thought we weren't going to take a break. We're not going to take a break. We're going to go right to the crossroads, <laughs> and we're um, going to pour it in our next neat glass. Right. They're already poured because you said that earlier. <laughs> That's right. We're going to go right to our second glass, which has the uh, Blue Note crossroads in it. Um, <clears throat> I have no idea what this is. Like. I know this is a bourbon, but right. but what makes it crossroads, Scott? Tell everybody, what, it's so kooky. It is kooky. <laughs> um, so this description is from their website, also spliced in with a little bit of breaking bourbon. Okay. So this unique expression combines the unmistakable boldness of Blue Note bourbon with the sophistication of finishing it in the finest toasted French oak barrels from the artisanal Tonnerie Radeau Cooperage, located in central France, which places the emphasis on a wood-focused finish and creates a bourbon that is decidedly mellow, yet still flavorful. Gentle and smooth, it delivers notes of dried dark fruit and quickly transitions to a manageable bite of oak. In every sip, there is the unforgettable intersection, crossroads, of tones that embody the spirit of the blues, the sound and movement of which were meant to break the rules. So this is basically what, Scott? This is the blue note. This is the blue joint with higher proof and finished in the toasted toasted French. And a little older then. 
Uh, there's no age statement, but on their website, it says uh, at least four years. Okay. Yeah. So two notes on this. We actually tasted a bourbon finished with French oak from the same cooperage in France uh, before the Penelope Architect. That's right. Back in season seven. And this expression, the crossroads, won double gold at this year's San Francisco World Spirits Competition. It price is $40. I mean. Again, how dare you with the reasonable price bourbon? Yeah, and my expectations of that, because they are a smaller distillery, I mean, 45,000 bottles is a lot of bottles, but it's not no, 200,000 or 500,000 right. or whatever. They're not Heaven Hill. Or right, right. So I, I have a feeling that once people start to like these, in the secondary market, they will catch a little bit of fire. So mm. now's the time to fill your closets. <laughs> <laughs> Drive to Kansas and Missouri and Tennessee and, uh, and, for, the and, rye, and for the rye and, and fill your closet with $35 rye. The cross notes, though, you can get pretty much everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Well, everywhere is well. Everywhere in, in their seventeen states, in their seventeen areas. Yeah. Which, and luckily, Jersey's one. Pennsylvania's yeah. not. Bite it, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> They're our cross state rivals, so it's okay. Yeah, they, that's true. they know we're just joshing them. I don't yeah. know. We're still Eagles fans. Though. Yeah, we are yeah. Eagles fans, but we have better whiskey than them, so bite it. <laughs> very true because mm-hmm. they have their stupid yeah they got their state stores and all they, like it's yeah. still prohibition over there i swear to god all right so let's take a little smell of the crossroads mm. hunter proof straight bourbon finished in french oak mm. toasted french oak wow that mm. nose is completely different than the rye oh yeah oh yeah lots sweeter oh which we do expect but i can smell the oak now i do have my uncut here mm. Ooh. so the uncut has more caramely notes it's a higher proof and this is subtler and sweeter on the nose i'm getting some really traditional bourbon notes on this yeah right off the of vanilla caramel oh there's oak. so much vanilla yeah. so much vanilla it's a vanilla bomb for me almost like a cream donut like, yeah it just encompasses you yeah usually i don't say vanilla because i always yeah, assume so vanilla it's, it's, but this but, has yeah. so much vanilla on it it really jumps out at you oh and some fruity sweet again like i, I want to say cherry but i mean i don't really know if that's what it is this is amazing a what, light cherry it's amazing what whiskey pulls out of barrels really, you know what i mean it like really it is. really is and and this is double finished mm-hmm. in those french oak barrels oh my gosh this is did you taste it yet or I, are you still smelling i'm still smelling but yeah i mean i, I freaking love the nose it is oaky no i tasted it oh you tasted <laughs> yeah. it Ooh. okay <laughs> uh, uh, first of all can we talk about how smooth it is for 100 oh yeah very smooth like, it holy crap sm- it, it tastes smoother than the ride it does it goes down smoother than the ride which is 93 this goes down like an 87 proof whiskey and it's 100 proof and here's a cool thing so immediately i got like sweetness like bubblegum yeah yeah like bazooka joe bubblegum but right after that it transitions to a real spiciness like a rye yeah spicier than the rye yeah I would pull it more in because I want to add some water in a minute. I, I drank too much. Oh, man. This has so many layers. Many layers of flavor to get through. Like, holy cow. Like, I'd sell my soul to the devil at the crossroads if I could drink this every day. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be the French oak influence on what is their regular blue note. Do you still have some blue note left in your glass? Uh, no. You should know me better than that. I <laughs> You taste it and then taste that because I want to taste them next to each other because it's the same mash bill. It's the same stuff, but the crossroads is seven proof points higher and it's been finished in the toasted oak. Mm. Oh my God. It's so amazing how the juke joint is great, but you see the extra layering of the French oak on the crossroads. I, I really implore anyone who can do that. Drink their juke joint whiskey and then drink the crossroads. And by the way, it didn't take anything away from the juke joint. The juke joint's just different. Yeah. But there's another level of complexity. Yeah. It's so, sweeter. It rounds off, yeah. I guess, fattier almost. Like it has yeah. a thickness to the mouthfeel. It rounds everything off. It really helps it you appreciate fit, the crossroads more. It finishes nicer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this, wow. This is really good. I, I, I just think, put water in. Put some water in now. Okay. Yeah. Right now, with having put the water in there, I think I like this better than the rye, even though I really like the wow, rye. Wow, that's a bold statement. Well, because I, I'm getting more rye notes I off know. of this, and I'm a rye guy. And right now, having not taken a sip for the last 30 seconds, I have this burn going on, but there's also a little bit of a pepper spice on my throat. Mm. Pepper spice. Was she one of the Spice Girls? Yeah, pepper spice was the <laughs> cut spice. That she was, got cut. She got cut. Yeah, she was too hot. <laughs> the other girls got jealous. That's right. Ooh, the water helps us a lot. I think it smooths the flavor profile out. It's much more obtainable now. Like where I, I felt like before it was a little overwhelming. There's so mm. many layers of flavor coming at you. The water kind of helped you process a bit more. Mm-hmm. It took the fire down a little bit and you can really get a lot more of the flavors. No, I totally agree. It is much smoother and sweeter. 
almost like the molasses cookies Mm -hmm. that Rachel had a couple episodes ago. It has that kind of flavor because it's really super sweet. It's very soft. But then it has this pop of Chinese five spice, like all those peppercorns and clove and ginger. I just went back to the juke joint again. First of all, it makes the juke joint taste even better, I think. Yeah, I know what you mean, because if you go back to the lower expression, they're so similar. Yeah, you're going to start pulling out elements you didn't notice the first time you drank it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I would probably take the crossroads over the rye, but being that the rye is the rarest bottle on the eastern seaboard, I'm going to stick with that. But (laughs) it's funny that I'm taking the rye and Scott's taking the bourbon, but I I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, that is what's happening. Wait, I'm not choosing. I'm taking them both. I don't have to pick you the one they're both amazing exactly i really like the rye but i think i'd like the crossroads better because it has a little bit more rye notes and i enjoy the layers yeah i love this i mean the rye is great yeah but i love this legit love this i'm excited for you so scott's had like (laughs) i love that for you (laughs) i love that for you when scott says that it means he's putting it into his like wheelhouse so to speak like i'm slotting it right so he's like so that means there'll be a bottle of crossroads in his bar for most of the time and so it's funny like i didn't expect to love this so much i I was really like okay this is a bourbon it's finished in french Scott was excited about the rye i'm telling you all all week he was excited about trying the rye yeah he's like i can't wait to try the rye And I was like, me too. But the Crossroads intrigued me because A, I'm a Cream fan and the song Crossroads by oh. Eric Clapton's oh, a great I'll song. Drop that in right and here. second, <laughs> yeah, put that in right there. And second, I mean, I love bourbons finished in different things. And I love toasted. Elijah Craig is one of my favorite toasted ones. Uh, and that's $60 a bottle. Yeah. I saw it yesterday and I didn't buy it. You know why I didn't buy it? Because it was 62 And I'm like, ah, I can live without it. But if it was 40 So the tasting notes from Breaking Bourbon, we'll see how we did. No, I don't know. I feel like we're all over the place, but I'm, I'm pouring more crossers. Right oh, yeah. I know. It's good, right? On the nose, red currants, cranberry, fresh oak. And leafy greens. I didn't get any of that. I mean, I got the who, oak. Who did that? Breaking bourbon. Logan, did you get leafy greens on your <laughs> whiskey? I don't think he did. You know, one of my Caesar salad wrap? Come on. <laughs> A wrap. Seriously. Uh, I don't know the red currants and black currants. Like, I don't know the I, difference I, between those two. Cranberry, I don't smell. I don't get any no. of that. No. I'm mad at you. Go, g- give me the palate. It better recover. On the palate, raisin, plum, prune. This is a dried plum. Vanilla. That's <laughs> <laughs> redundancy at yeah. its best. A redundancy and toasted marshmallow. I, I'm looking up a different tasting note. <laughs> what the hell was that, man? All right, so I'll just do the finish then. On the finish, oak, leather, molasses, milk, chocolate, and baking spice. Okay, oak, I can see some leather. Molasses is a bit much. I didn't taste any chocolate, and but baking spice is sure. I mean, toasted marshmallow is really cool. Listen, I got another one up here. All right, who you got? I, I Some random person. I don't care. A random person you don't care? I don't care. <laughs> It's Whiskey Fellow. Whiskey Fellow. There you go. I've used him before. Yeah. I'm going right to the palate. He said the texture was massively oily. He tastes a cinnamon spice, nutmeg, roasted almonds on the front, vanilla, raw honey, and English toffee form the middle with French oak, tobacco leaf, and leather on the back. Bang. That's what I'm talking about. That's a tasty note that I'm tasting. No red currants, no spinach. <laughs> the finish mildly spicy, featured dry French oak, old leather, tobacco leaf, and raw honey. It went on and on and on and on. Yes, it was a very good finish. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Whiskey Fellow. I'm Whiskey Fellow. (laughs) I'm Whiskey Fellows. (laughs) If you don't know what that is, I'm sorry. It's an old Saturday Live skit. If you know, you know. Exactly. I'll I'll drop him right here. (laughs) Right. I'm Brian Fellows. (laughs) But anyway, both of these whiskeys, the Rye and the Crossroads, were fantastic. They exceeded my expectation because we know what they were priced. We're like, mm, we drink a lot of expensive whiskey. I drink a lot of $70 whiskey, a lot of $100 whiskey. I drink a lot of $80 whiskey. These are $30 whiskeys, $40 whiskeys. And you know what? I would hate to be an upper price whiskey and have to go into a blind tasting competition with either of these. Yeah. What's really cool is, so we did earlier this summer, we did a trilogy of episodes on bourbon, but the last one was the current and future state of bourbon in in which we debated whether bourbon was broken or things are too expensive and you can't get what you get. But the past three episodes, this one, the Breckenridge and the New Riff, these are three distilleries making excellent whiskeys at reasonable prices. Right. Every single one that we tasted is something that you should have on your bar. And most were under 60. That's right. It's terrific. 
Yeah, the Breckenridge was great. The New Riff, $45 for their all bottle bond stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. With New Riff saying, look, I have great whiskey for $40, $45. And then Blue Note goes, hold my beer. Here's <laughs> great whiskey for $35, $40. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, wash our glasses. We're going to come back and we're going to do the special tasting that we have, which is their high end. Yeah. So this is not cheap. This is the other end of the spectrum. This is something that they're doing more of an artistry. Like the other stuff we're talking about, very affordable, is for making themselves available to the public. Mm. But then the distiller has like that artistic side and they want to create something and craft something unique and that's yeah. what we're going to try when we come back yeah which is their blue note special reserve so we're going to wash our glasses we're going to pour this up and we're going to clean our own palate so we have a fresh palate for a very good whiskey we're hoping yeah and we'll be right back Right, so we're back and we are about Woo! to enjoy the highlight of the episode for us the main event the blue note special reserve and scott tell everybody what makes it such a special reserve mm, i will so this is from their marketing materials that was okay. sent to us blue note special reserve is a blend of seven bourbons with three different mash bills and six different finishing techniques wow aged up to 19 years Plus, up to an additional three years of finishing presented at a blended cask strength of 112.5 proof. I mean, if I wasn't excited before, I'm excited now. This rare combination of profiles creates a complex tasting experience that evolves over time. In addition, the packaging for the Special Reserve features the exact blend breakdown with ages, finishes, sources, and mash bills, giving the consumer as much detail as possible about this unique addition to the Blue Note lineup. I will say, very big on transparency. They're letting you know right where they got everything from and where it's coming at you, and I can't wait to taste this. And so, here it is, but I just want to say before we get to that, that okay. this is... Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Officially. Right. The 300th whiskey that we've tasted on the podcast. <laughs> So what a tremendously special whiskey yeah. to have the honor of the 300th whiskey we have featured on the podcast, and it's going to be the Blue Note Special Reserve, and That's I right. know Logan's pretty excited about this too. <laughs> he is. All right, so the finishing source and mash bill for these, there's seven entries here. Seven. So 19% of it is an 11-year port-finished Tennessee bourbon, the 84-8-8 Dickel mash yep, bill bourbon. Exactly. 17% of it is a 19-year cognac-finished Tennessee bourbon, same mash bill. 3% is a 17 double-oaked finish Tennessee bourbon. 3%. Like, yeah, 3%. Wow. Just for flavor. Same mash bill, the 84-8-8. 15% of it is the 12-year sherry-finished Tennessee bourbon, the 70 corn 22% rye, 8% malted barley. Amazing. 17% of it is a four-year unfinished Kentucky bourbon. 70% corn, 21% rye, 9% malted barley. The Green River mash bill, that's basically the Blue right. Note juke joint. Right. Another 17% of it is a four-year Vino de Naranja finished Kentucky bourbon, same mash bill. And 12% of it, the last one, five-year Madeira finished Kentucky bourbon, same mash bill. The price that they're retailing this at, $225. Which, once again, is a bargain, and I'll tell you why. You just heard everything that's going into it. The craftsmanship, the different whiskeys, but it's also a very limited release. I'm thinking something like 2,100, 2,500 bottles. Yes, I think it's 2,100. Right, and it's something so unique. A bottle like this is not about breaking in huge amounts of revenue. It's about putting your name on the map, you know, like mm. look what we can do. Mm -hmm. It's about stating to the world that you have some craftsmanship to your product. Right. And so I applaud them for this. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to try it. And for those of you that are always 
seeking something different and don't mind spending a couple extra dollars for it, this is for you. All right. So really, the only thing we have to do now is taste it. I have tasting notes from Breaking Bourbon, but we'll get oh. to those later. Breaking Bourbon actually had a chance to they did. sample it. They did. Nice. I know. So we did open it up. You'll hear in the yeah. interview later that he suggested that we open it up. It's sort of like a red wine. And we've left it sitting here probably 10, 15 minutes. Breathing. Yep. And um, now we're going to nose it. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Blue note. Ooh, the nose. Ooh, the nose. Intense. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So much here. One of the most intense noses I've ever experienced on the podcast. And this is our 300th whiskey. That's right. 112.5 proof. Hmm. I mean, it smells 112.5 even in the neat glass. But I mean, I get a lot of rye profile, which is really weird because there's no rye in this. It's all bourbon. But there is rye grain, of course. Right. There's rye in every bourbon. Yeah, right. right. So there is rye in here, but not a rye whiskey. A little bit of like, I want to say apricot or peach. Yeah. Like different fruits. Yeah. I mean, because you heard what's all in it, all those finishes. It's actually it's hard weird. To, it's hard to decipher right now. There's seven things I'm smelling and I can't really separate I, them yet. I think that's what they meant by like letting it breathe because yeah. it's really intense. I mean, I smell almost everything that I've ever smelled on a bourbon in my life. I smell it all. <laughs> Every tasty note I've ever smelled. It's wonderful. Give me one thing that Breaking Bourbon said about the nose. All right. So the first one, it said black pepper. And that's what I think I got because I said it smelled like a rye. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Black pepper yes, is all absolutely, over that. Absolutely. Yeah. And one, I mean, there's vanilla. <laughs> yeah. And there's caramel. Yeah, and there's yeah, yeah. corn. That's and there's all oak. There. Yeah. Sure. I smell a lot of fruits, but I cannot separate them right now. Okay, so they didn't have any fruit on the nose. I, okay. But I do get I, fruit. Again, the peaches and the apricot, but also a, a nice sweet pear. Okay. I mean, I'm definitely getting a lot of sweet fruit notes. I, I cannot decipher what they mm, are right now. Like, this is unbelievably complex. complex. Oh my God, there's so many things. I'm trying to navigate through it. Okay, yeah. so on the nose from Breaking Bourbon. Black pepper, cinnamon, nutmeg, seasoned oak, vanilla, and toasted marshmallow. Interesting, seasoned oak. I mean, oak, definitely. Cinnamon, nutmeg, absolutely. Vanilla, absolutely. Black pepper, no question. Toasted marshmallow. I mean, they say toasted marshmallow when I'm getting vanilla and sugar, which is the same thing. We're smelling more fruit than sweet vanilla. I'm going to taste it. Okay, me too. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Jesus. (laughs) Sweet Jesus. Oh, my God. What the hell happened? I don't know. I don't think I've ever had anything like this. I mean, this is about as strong as a blood oath would be, and it destroys a blood oath as far as complexity and- How and, smooth is it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not even talking about that, but there, there is a little tiny burn at the end. A little bit. But my God, the different flavors that have just fired off in my mouth off of one sip, I cannot wrap my mind around it and give you- I have to take another sip, but I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit afraid to do that because- Yeah, we need to give this yeah, I need a, a deeper yeah. analysis. This is this really intense. This is ridiculously complex. My God, I was not ready for this. I mean, I was, but not like this. Because I've tasted a lot of high-proof whiskeys. I've tasted a lot of castrants, a lot of blends. The Remus 5, the Remus 6, yeah. that, that had yeah. five, six different expressions. Mm-hmm. And then you get this from Blue Note, and you're thinking, all right, it's going to be different. It's going to be special, but not like this. This is absolutely up there with those expressions that you mentioned. Also, with anything that Barrel does, any of their complex <sighs> like four or five different blends um, um, the blood oath except for the fibonacci rye i think i would take this over anything that i've had from barrel mm. for complexity now maybe not complete flavor profile but i'm just saying well, this is the kind of stuff that yeah. barrel does Barrel but, does this yeah but not to this extent no this is seven different bourbons with yeah. six different finishing techniques it's insane i mean logan's a better person than me because i would just keep 10 of these bottles like maybe 100 bottles like, they might never get <laughs> like we're losing money because you're the ceo Ed. that's what would happen like you have to let the bottles out of your office. I'm like, no, they're no. I'm, I can keep them. They're mine. No, they're my bottles. They're my bottles. What are you I'm doing? Like, I'm not going to let them, them, let them go. <laughs> this is awesome. So from what I described earlier of yeah. everything that's in it, you might expect it to be kind of a mess. Yeah, it's not. But it's not. It's splendid. It's fantastically crafted. Everything is so layered. I mean, there's port and sherry and cognac. And Vino Nenorania and Madeira. So there's so much fortified wine on this. Yeah, We've tasted 300 whiskeys and you can count on one hand how many times we've told you that a $225 whiskey is worth it. This is one of them. Yeah. This is a special, special whiskey. If you are someone that needs to taste 
the next best thing, or better yet, just taste the best thing, you would do well to find one of the special reserve from Blue Note. This tastes like a mold wine. Oh, I mean, among other things, but I know what you but, mean. But you know what I mean? It, you heated it on your stove. <laughs> it's got the red wine fruit <laughs> flavors. It's got cinnamon. It's got nutmeg. It, it has right. a little bit of citrus, maybe a little bit of even lemon. No, there in is. There. There's definitely there's orange zest, but not sweet like on the other ones I said before earlier. Yeah, just a raw orange zest. Like I love the toasted marshmallow, like a creme brulee, something like that, like a yeah. a cooked vanilla, yeah. a kind of sour grapiness to it, kind mm. of because it's like a bite to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's all going on at it's different like times. It's like a creamy mold wine. Okay. It's really strange, yeah. but awesome. Right. The cinnamon is definitely coming through now. Yeah, isn't the cinnamon really strong now? All right, so I'm going to add a couple drops of water to mine just to see if it opens it up at all. Yeah, let's do that. It is 112, and I think it lends itself to that. Absolutely. Five or six drops in there from my uh, little vial of distilled water. We'll cover in your vial. (laughs) Your vial. (laughs) One eternity later. Oh my God, that only made it better. (laughs) That took the heat down a little bit in the back and Mm -hmm. opened up a whole new round of flavors prunish type of dark fruits now that i didn't get before this is an extraordinary whiskey an extended finish that goes on and on it's extraordinary i'm saying some mint mm, Getting there mint. is some mint yep, mint the on the finish very very end the cinnamon is so strong to me now and a hot cinnamon mm-hmm. it's not as sweet on the finish as it is peppery and mm-hmm. and, and um spicy yeah interesting that the water but did the that. mint the mint is there on the finish as well for sure i'm getting so much brown sugar now god Brown sugar, good point. Yeah, I could. I could yeah, I could. it's a dark sugar. It's it, yeah. and, and and not it, and a it, sweet caramel, but no brown sugar. Yeah, like a burnt uh, molasses kind of. No, I didn't think of that molasses. Maybe yeah. yeah. Give us the um, palate and the finish from Breaking Bourbon, please. God, this is so good. Okay, uh, the palate's really interesting. Oak, dark cherry, raspberry, black currants, allspice, leather, and cigar box. Mm, I had leather on the finish, not on the palate, but okay. Mm. Cigar box is a weird yeah. palate note. It is. Nose note, I can see, but a palate note is weird. Okay, so on the finish, a rush of peppery spice, butterscotch, charred oak, aged leather, and butterfinger candy bar. Well, I was saying like a creme brulee or burnt vanilla. Butterscotch would be in that wheelhouse. The butterfinger candy bar is really funny. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily taste that uh, no, because I, I don't I, get a peanutty Yeah, I didn't either. Quality. I didn't either. But it's, I, it's much sweeter, fruitier kind of sweetness. Yeah. But I love the fact yeah. that he said that. And, and I can't be mad at him for, for tasting that. No. But, and that's on what? The finish? On the finish, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, This is ridiculous. This might be the best whiskey I've had this year. This is awesome. Yeah, we want to thank Logan and Absolutely. Blue Note for sending this out to us. This is one of the best whiskeys we will taste this year. And happy hunting to those who go after the 2100 bottles that hit the market. You will not be disappointed. This will be one that you sip on and put back in your vault for special occasions until the next one comes out. So we're going to have Logan on now. We're going to drop the interview in now, and then we're going to summarize at the very end. Yeah, yeah, with our final thoughts. Hey, Logan. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well. Ed's here. He's just going to heat up his coffee. <laughs> no problem. How's your day going so far? Oh, pretty good. I'm uh, working my real job, and uh, now it's just on my lunch hour. Having those things get in the way of the fun. Yeah, I know. There's Ed. Hey, Logan. Good to meet you. You too. Where are you guys out of? We're in New Jersey. One of the Jersey. Okay. We're lucky, so we're lucky enough to get your product. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Screw Pennsylvania. That's what I say. <laughs> oh, it's always fun getting stuff distributed. <laughs> well, is it harder with state stores like Virginia and Pennsylvania? So it's been strategic that we haven't gone to some of those markets. So from a control state perspective, we're in Mississippi and Alabama, which is the second most taxed spirit state in the U.S., only to be beaten by Virginia. Mississippi's only got one foot out of prohibition. They really do. Uh, they- well, well, Mississippi just privatized their warehouse. Um, so hopefully you can actually get product delivered. But there were brands that were three, six months backlog on deliveries just to get product into the distributor. Not an ideal situation by any means. Yeah. They drink mostly moonshine there, I think, anyway. So <laughs> yeah. a bathtub gin there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'll just start by saying that we have enjoyed your products really just since they first hit the shelves. Yes, uh, our friend Gabe, who's been on the podcast a couple times, was the one, I think, who first said, hey, there's this Blue Note, it's new, and we tasted it and said, oh, yeah, that's really good. And then Tara from the, your marketing company, she reached out and sent us a bottle of the Blue Note juke joint yeah. and then ended up buying the 
the uncut yeah. sort of to pair with it for our yeah. uh, we do whiskey mentory whiskey documentary every January and we did one on tasting competitions and both of those expressions have won a bunch of awards so yeah. we featured them on the first part of that where we explained all about competitions and what they are and what their medals mean because <laughs> it's different for every competition right? oh, it, oh it is <laughs> which ones uh, I think are true blind tasting and which ones are pretty much self-funded by the companies submitting right i actually was surprised how good your regular blue note held up against your uncut yep. and some of your other expressions it's just a really well blended offering uh, yep. and, and for a very reasonable price which we're always yep. looking for in the podcast because you know everyone's mad that they can't find the 90 dollars this and the 75 dollars this and the 200 dollars this but i'm like there's a lot of great whiskey you can drink we are in a tremendous time period for whiskey bourbons yep. and rice mm-hmm. so good scott i know you have some things you actually want to ask them besides just bantering <laughs> yeah i just want to say we did love both the expressions that we tried on that episode uh i think i liked the uncut just slightly better uh, yeah. That's just my want. And Ed liked uh, the uh, the regular expression because it's a little bit sweeter. I'm not the crazy high proof that Scott and some of our other guys are. Like, So either if I get something at 120, I'll throw it on a globe and give it two minutes and then drink it where it's now where I want it. Yeah, but it, that's what's great about the higher proof expressions because you can enjoy them at lower proofs if you want to. Absolutely. Um, so uh, first question, just basically what we ask everybody on here, like what is your background even before you got into whiskey? And then how did you get involved with Blue Note? Yeah, so my background is actually more in line. If you look uh, back in the history of bourbon companies, a lot of people think it comes from the distiller. Very rarely is the distiller at the early stage of the company. Um, so background was actually in banking. Worked for First Horizon based here in Memphis and then went on to work at KPMG for about seven years, primarily with financial services clients. So once again, banking, private equity, things like that. But then came onto this as the CFO, then COO, then president, but really having that numbers background and that sort of business acumen driving a lot of our decisions. And part of that too is it's the finance piece sort of has to drive everything because you have to look so long-term everything in this industry. And one of the things that I think stands out about our product is the price point. We could sell and be extremely profitable today, like some of these brands sell products at $70, $80 a bottle. The reality is they're $30 bottles. And if you want them to exist long-term and sell in volumes as an actual business, they need to be at approachable price points. But there's companies that are are well-known. They've been acquired over the last few years that we sell more volume in three states than they sell nationally and internationally at this point. Shipping to a new market is the easiest sale you will ever get. It comes down to, will someone buy your product again? And if the answer is no, you got revenue one year and now you don't have it again. So it's (laughs) having products that are approachable at the right price points. So you have those continued orders, build the relationships with the accounts and really have the the start of a, a business and a brand. Yeah, you know, we do the news every month and there's uh, about a dozen whiskeys that we feature. And some of them are like, well, we know this is sourced and they're charging $80, $90 for it. And they're not even finishing it or double aging it or anything. And it's like 94 proof. Why is this so expensive? So it's good to hear you say that as an explanation as to why companies do things differently. Yeah, we were just up in uh, Louisville a couple of weeks ago, even before we were up at KBF this past weekend. And every single major brand is represented and people are coming by and tasting literally side by side and they're like your products are significantly better than the $200 bottle I just bought hands down. It's like, yes. Since you just talked about your price point and everything, I think it's really interesting with the specialty release that's coming out of about 2,100 bottles that's priced high Yes, mm-hmm. as a unique thing. I think the creation is actually interesting, but from, since we were talking marketing, this I think is your most expensive release. Yes. And so it's something that splashes you for those people that, for whatever reason, don't look below a hundred bottle. To know that yeah. your company's also capable of that, I think, is a very nice thing to put out there to the public. Yeah. And it's ultimately, we have the products that can do the high volume and we have the products that offer the, the halo effect. And initially, when 17 year old was released, that was an SRP of around $150, $175. And it was a way for an unknown company to get awareness in the market. On the secondary now, we've seen those bottles trading in the $900 to $1,700 range. 
So coming up with this 225 price point is, okay, I've got four through 19-year-old product with up to three years of secondary aging. And it is head-to-head against product that is substantially younger with almost nothing done to it. So we're not wanting to do a large volume at that price point, but it is showing that we will play to that part of the market that has very limited price sensitivity and the ones that really want to go out and chase something that is truly allocated. And an expression like that also puts you against the Blood Oath, the Little Books, yeah. um, the Remus, you know, specialty blends, if you will, like one-offs. Yeah. 225 is a little bit above them, but you're much rarer. Yeah, yeah, like the Barrel Craft Spirits guys, the stuff that they do. But I don't know of one that has this many. No, <laughs> no it was... It was really funny when uh, I was submitting the, for the cola through the TTB. The agent's like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> Regulatory, yeah, there there's, shouldn't be any issues. It's, like, it's not that. It's, are you sure you actually want to do this? It's like, it's already done. <laughs> the product is ready to go to market. We're just doing label uh, finalization at this point. And it was getting into the art of blending is something that we haven't been well known for and just showing how something that on paper, there's no reason any of this should actually work and bringing mm-hmm. that all together. So the idea is like special reserve would be this 225. Not many people can attain that bottle, but it shows we can blend and then you can drop in at more attainable price points, similar products with different age ranges but similar finishing techniques that ultimately more people can get access to. And that's really what we're trying to get with that release. I see. Makes sense. I just to go through it. American White Oak, Cognac, Madeira, Port, Sherry, Vino de Naranja for possibly up to three additional years yeah. in each of those. Yeah. Uh, and then blended. How does the idea to blend this many uh, different finishes, uh, how does that come about? And then how do you actually do it? So we have a lot of R&D barrels. And like right now we have, I think it's probably around 70, 80 barrels in some sort of stage of R&D in place right now. And we'll do one or two barrels of a certain type. If it works, then we'll scale up and we'll do more of that. What went into special reserve was a combination of two to four different barrels of these types of different specialty aging products. And some of them went a little bit longer than we wanted them to go if they're going to be standalone releases. So it was, okay, we know we're going to have to get into blending. We've got this different liquid. There's not a true liquid strategy around this because it was R&D. So that's where the blending really came in. And that was literally just pulling samples from the barrels, dumping them to see what the total volume was. And then from there, it's mixing, blending different ratios We came up with the concentrated base and then it was, okay, we're looking for more proof. We're looking for just different flavor profiles. So that's where, contrary to what some people would expect, it's we need to add some younger juice to just enhance some of those flavors. Because if we're just blending like one or two of those secondary finishes, I think it'd be a pretty muted profile that would come through. But somehow all of it together really does just blend out nicely. Awesome. Yeah. We did not get the samples just yet. They're supposed to come today. I'm, okay. I'm half yeah. expecting like a phone call from FedEx that they're here. But we- One thing about this is because there is so much going on, it is more like a red wine. You want it to open up for a long time before you go into it. Um, okay. If you just like pour it, take a straight sip of it, you're really not going to get the complexity that's there. And that's where we do let it open up for quite a while and then taste through it like that. So how many bottles do you eat a year of your base expression? I'll actually just look at some numbers right now. This year, we will do around 45,000 six-packs of our product. Approximately 70% of that is going to be on our course use. So that would be our Blue Note Juke Joint, our Blue Note Crossroads, and now our Blue Note Rye. And around 30% of it is the, the cast strength version under Uncut. Um, in the past, there was a lot of emphasis around the single barrel product and not so much around our core SKUs, which once again was a very near-term focus, great from the revenue perspective, but a very difficult starting point to build a brand from. So that's where the importance of the core SKUs really is there and core SKUs that play at uh, price points that work in bars and restaurants as well. That's where we're focusing so much of our attention in really only three markets this year. So Tennessee, Texas, Florida are around 70% of our sales volume as a company. 
and we will expand our, our focus markets to include a couple more next year and then each year deeper distribution within those. And if I don't have really strong sales data out of Texas and Florida and all the chains there, then my launch in California is going to be a couple of pallets instead of a couple of tractor trailer loads on day one. And there's no shortage of people wanting to pick up our product in other markets. It really is the strategy of we want to build this in the correct way in the right markets and then gradually expand our our geographic footprint over time. I think that competitions have helped get your name out there. People do look at those. We look at those and it'll make us try something over something else. Yeah. If for no reason, just to say, well, I don't think it's a double gold. Yeah, that's the really interesting thing about the last 18 months of our brands is 2022 and 2023. So back to back double golds for Blue Note Juke Joint, Blue Note Crossroads. And then number seven in the world from Whiskey Advocate for Blue Mm -hmm. Note Uncut, double platinum from Minic. Like Mm -hmm. all of the awards are things that brands that have been around for 20, 50 plus years would kill to have. Yeah, yeah, yes, I agree with everything you just said. I completely agree. And yeah. we noticed it too. We were, we were drinking you before you got the award. So we were actually like, Oh, look at this. Good for them. And, you know? and what's really interesting about our award process is I know there's a lot of strategies out there. I know there's companies that have literally a locker that they go to for super allocated product that gets dumped into the bottle and then goes off to the awards. Ours was. We got the request from Whiskey Advocate, literally went to the production line that week, grabbed a random bottle off the line and sent it off. It's not some special (laughs) process. And I think that's why consumers are so drawn to it is because when they actually taste the product, it actually aligns with the awards. Um, And and Crossroads is a, a good example. It's interesting because it crosses outside of some of the traditional like whiskey barriers. So 80 plus percent of all bourbon drinkers are men. But Crossroads, when we taste it, women will hands down drink that even if they say they do not like bourbon. And it's interesting because a 100 proof product you would think is going to be this hot, unpleasant experience for somebody who's not used to drinking bourbon and they drink it and they're like, this is absolutely incredible, which uh, just shows like how many different things we can actually do as a company. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a quick question. Do you feel with the juke joint like imagery and all that your whiskey is going to play better in the South than the Northeast? So we really haven't seen that as a limiting factor. And it's ultimately we've seen demand in some of the Northeastern, upper Midwest, Pacific Northwest as well. They like the idea of it rather than actually being familiar with that type of environment. Like our marketing will be very different going forward than it's been historically because so much of our sales has literally been driven off the fundamentals of product quality, price point, things like that. And like brand identity, we're just getting into what the brand identity is. And I think we will see some image shift, some packaging shift along the way. Some people, because we're based in Memphis, is do you have pushback because Kentucky distillate? And the answer is we don't because we're not really playing up the Kentucky side. Our background, just working with all the actual industry players, the true business side, getting the actual visibility into what people are putting in their products and not the brand story that they're telling people was really interesting on day one. And then for us, it was, okay, we're working with Green River because, okay, it's DSP Kentucky 10. And the expertise that them plus Bardstown brings to the table from a distillation perspective is so far beyond anything we could set up in the Memphis market. It makes sense to allow Kentucky, which knows and has access to the experts, to do that piece of it. And then after a year and a day, we bring everything to Memphis, which when we actually look at the data is a much better aging climate than Kentucky. So we get around two months per year of additional active aging in Memphis. And we also, because of our higher humidity, have less angel share. So because the pressure actually builds more inside the barrel, we get more extraction and interaction with the oak deeper penetration. Plus those two months, like all of that actually is why our product tasted, blind tasted next to Green River or any other product that is similar mash bill tastes different. And then we follow on with Memphis has access to the purest water in the country. It's not just us. It's the truth. It's 2000 year old aquifer water that we use for proofing juke and crossroads. So it's like all of those different factors of taking advantage of the best that each situation has is our story. It's not my great grandpa did this or something else, or there's some magical 
uh, celebrity tie along the way. We're letting the elements that are fundamental to quality products speak through the product itself in the backyard of Memphis, which is literally the birthplace of so many categories of music that I think that idea resonates with more people uh, than some of the other limiting factors that other brands have chosen. Well, well, that's great. Thanks so much for coming on, Logan. Absolutely. And I'm happy to jump on whenever my schedule is pretty crazy, but usually somebody can put it on my calendar. So, all right. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, lots of luck to you on this release. I'm sure the bottles are going to go fast. We'll check back in here to see what one of these bottles is on the secondary market. Or your <laughs> yeah. like two grand or something. Probably. <laughs> Thank you. Thank guys. you so much, Logan. Yep. All right, Logan. Day. You too. I mean, it's a great interview. Like a lot yeah. of great tidbits about the, the industry itself. Yeah, like we've talked to a lot of CEOs and distillers, but I think Logan actually led us into the mindset of a new up-and-coming distillery and how you survive. Because at the end of the day, it's an art, but it's a business, right? Yeah. And he basically showed how they're going to use their art to make their business succeed. It was kind of a missing link yeah. that we never had before. Because yeah. we talked to Greg Snyder, who was just an amazing- Right, from as recently as Chicken Rye. Yeah, and he gave us such a rich, detailed uh, look right. into making the whiskey, but he didn't have the business side, right? And that's what we got with Logan. Well, he has it, but he didn't share it with us. Well, okay. Right. What Logan taught us was how you look at opportunities. He's yeah. kind of shared with us the process of expanding your business in a steady, productive way. But more importantly, he talked about many different ways to enhance the product and the way that they approach it with the different mash bills. And the different prices. They're transparent with their yeah. sourcing. And Scott and I have been huge fans of sourcing. Yeah. We are transparent in that fact that we think <laughs> that sourcing is the thing that makes whiskey exciting today. Yeah. I love that they put the entire thing that I read you about the finishing and the sourcing right. of mash bills on the back of our right. bottle. Right. So they show you where they get it and how they get it and what it is. Yeah. A lot of companies are now doing it this is not 20 years ago where sourcing was a dirty word now sourcing is a tool and an, actually an artistic s- strategy yeah to make your whiskey different better and enhanced and so i think that blue note i think they're doing it as well as anybody yeah and i'd have to agree with that because we've tasted a lot of bourbons that are sourced yeah because these guys are sourced yep. they don't make any bones about it nope. they're like yep we're sourced in fact he said in the interview which was not part of what i edited together there that there's nobody on their team that is from a traditional whiskey distillery grass background to, right grass to glass yeah and yet they're doing it the right way they're not only doing it the financially responsible way right. they're doing it by taste as well and that's as, rare. As Blue Note grows, I think Green River is going to have to get another fermentation tank. <laughs> Maybe. Because I think more and more people are going to come knocking for sourcing. Yeah. It's awesome. So Ed, of course, has already drank all, all of, of my whiskey. <laughs> well, I've drank everything that's been put in front of me. <laughs> but what I'm tasting here. What do you have there? I have the uh, Special Reserve. And it's like a cream cheese topped cinnamon bun. Wow. And you put a cherry cobbler on top of that. <laughs> so much going <laughs> no, on. No, but that's what's going on yeah, in this thing. Right. It's so <laughs> fucking delicious. Yes, absolutely. Oh my God, I can't take it. It's awesome. Yes. I wish I had an entire bottle of this. I wish we did. So they sent us a very generous portion to taste uh, and we, we appreciate that. We're but very thankful. There might be a chance we can get one if it hits anywhere near. But we'd have to pay $225 uh, or, or more. Well, between us, it's right. only 112 if you break it down between us. Right. But like to Logan's point, the reason that they did this was to say, hey, yeah. we can blend things. Right. We can finish things. Right. And we're going to put out smaller, lower priced expressions right. that have some of these components in them. The Special Reserve shows that, hey. We give a lot of good, affordable whiskey. But before you categorize us mm-hmm. as like a low-end whiskey, just right. know right. anytime we want, we can produce a $225 <laughs> bottle that's worth $300. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they showed by this. And I think that's what this does for them. In today's climate, you have to reach for the stars. You have to reach for the people who have no problem spending $200, $300, $400 a bottle because you would be foolish right. not to. They have plenty as right. we've tasted on this podcast sure. and previous podcasts in the $30, $40, $50 range. Right. And that's incredible. And the fact that they are able to produce a delicious expression from what should be kind of a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they can put something out for $125 if they right. mix like the port finish and the cognac. Sure. And that tastes really good right. together. 
So I think that sums up the episode right there. I mean, me and Scott are going to have a huge brawl of who takes what bottle home today because all <laughs> the bottles we had to test were fantastic. Everything we tasted from the pregame of the uncut and the juke joint. Yeah, we knew we already liked those. <laughs> right. We were joining them to freshen our palate up for the yeah. rye and the crossroads. And then, of course, the special reserve was the cream de liqueur, if you will. Unreal. So I want to thank Logan for coming on and talking to us and Blue Note for just really being a delicious, approachable whiskey right now. So please give it a try. And once again, we hope to visit with Blue Note soon in the future. Sure. So for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, thanks for tuning in. I'm Ed. I'm Scott. Cheers, everybody. Later. Later.